so much of what we believe is stuff that we emotionally want to believe. The Virtue Signal, a Quinn Martin production. Tonight's episode, Telling the Truth. That'll mean something to a handful of people out there. Uh, there was a, a TV producer who made a show called The Invaders and The Fugitive, and they all, uh, The Fugitive, a Quinn Martin production. Tonight's episode, that. whatever. I don't know why. I just did it. Uh, so um, anyway, hi, everybody. Welcome to The Virtue Signal. I'm Bill Whittle with my friend uh, Alfonso Rachel. Uh, Zoe, I think uh, to today I would like to talk about telling the truth, mm. not just speaking the truth, mm. but telling what is true. See what mm. I did there? A little play mm. with words. It's just a trifle, a bon mot. It's not my <laughs> best. It's not my best work. Uh, but in all seriousness, uh, with the Ukraine uh, situation now and and everything, and the internet, and the and the ease with which people can take. Uh, for example, just as a off the top of my head example, footage from the 2014 war in Ukraine, the invasion, and then try to make that something that's happening currently. It's virtually impossible to um, to tell what's real and and what's not real. And I'm very worried about this. Among many other things, I'm very worried about. I'm worried about this because I'm I'm concerned that that every single person in the world is going to end up with their own version of what the truth is based on what they've watched and what they've heard. No two people have heard the same thing. I suppose that's better than everybody getting the same lie. But I have heard so many wild stories coming out of Ukraine, just as an example. And there's so many under the, under the surface things going on that it's so easy to just say nothing is true, right? Everything you hear is, is a lie or conversely, and we're getting some of this ourselves and the left is built on this. Uh, I heard something different than you did. And so you're not only wrong, you're in on it. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, so what do we do, do you think, in order to tell the truth, in order to tell what is what is true? Man, and I'll tell you what, Bill, I, I don't have... Um your savvy, your anointment of savvy when it comes to uh, these kind of engagements, you know, uh, military policy, foreign policy, uh, historical narratives. Um, and even if I did, uh, I would, it's one of those things, even if a person does have that kind of prowess, uh, begin with being thankful to the Lord that you have it because it's a gift. And reflect on the word that says, lean not on your own understanding, but trust in God. Because here's the thing, Bill, one of the reasons why we do have so much, for lack of a better way of saying it, misunderstanding. Uh, and, and even if people don't intend to be, you know, uh, misleading people, you may not even have the intention, intention to do it. Um, but we have to know that uh, this is a very broad scope to examine. And, you know, there are things that will get a person, you know, we're seeing these narratives of people wanting to be out there to be the first on the scene to have something to say about it, something to report about it. Mm -hmm. Uh, and without having all the elements to be able to make a educated, uh, informative report about these things, 
um, it's it's just going to fall by the way of of, of um, uh, hearsay. And the, the word of God warns us about this. The word says there's going to be wars and rumors of wars. And I, I would I don't think I'm taking too many liberties to say that there will be rumors about wars as well. Yeah. That is that is my non-canonical assertion. <laughs> so I'm, I'm not a, on pretty solid ground there. You know, OK, so and that's that's where we want to be at. But um, this these kinds of things, you know, when we do this, these call these these ends up being end up being uh, liabilities to the people who are actually in the arena. You know, you don't want to be a liability to these people. These things end up becoming political wars. Uh, and, and we've seen how that goes, uh, like, say, for instance, with Vietnam. You know, things like that. So we don't want these campaigns to be gauged on how uh, the people feel about it, per se, uh, because when our feelings start getting in the midst of it, that's when our feelings, our fears. Oh, man, that's when people really start to get hurt. That's it. That's it. Um, there, I think there's a bunch of individual little tips and stuff I can I can kind of toss out there, but I'll save those for a minute. What I find myself doing is uh, with every passing year. I read more and more and more history to the point where that's basically all I read now. And the reason for that is it interests me, and it interests me because we live in interesting times. And I think one of the first things you can do to to tell the truth from the lies is is to have enough of a background on human behavior because that's all history is. It's the, it's the laboratory of human behavior. It's just the, the data that's been accumulated on how, on how people act. And the more of that you've got for context, the more you're able to tell whether or not a specific story or, or an action, an, an invasion, all of this, you begin to see parallels in history. You also begin to see parallels with individuals in history like Vladimir Putin and so on. And the more familiar you are with human behavior, especially in times of conflict, the easier it is for you to have a common sense, which I value very highly, very highly, the, the easier it is for you to have a common sense reaction to whether something is true or not. Um, as just the simplest example, if, if you take a guy who's one half KGB and one half uh, you know, gangster uh, kleptocracy guy like Vladimir Putin, you can think of a number of reasons why he would make this decision and a number of, of misconceptions that he likely had given a psychological background in terms of you know what he expected versus what actually transpired. And that ability to know what human nature is, I think is probably the single greatest thing that people can do to, to get at least facing the general direction of the truth. Sure, sure. And and I think that's a, a key word, Bill, is uh psychology. Mm-hmm. Um we're we're trying th- there's there's the truth. Okay. You can put the truth right in front of somebody, and if they decide to not believe it, and, and see the whole thing, it always comes back to faith. It's it doesn't matter. Even when you have the truth, even when you have evidence, empirical evidence, right? If they decide that they don't want to believe it, then that's just the way that it is. So you one cannot take faith out of it. And then that raises the question is, well, what is the psychology behind that? What what makes a person tick to where they can examine the truth and and still reject it or, you know, or on the flip side of that, see a lie and accept the lie? Um, Could we even get down to the psychology of that? Because, you know, remember, folks, psychology is the study of the soul. Mm -hmm. The soul can't be measured. 
How do you actually make an observable search of the soul, something that can't, I mean, even in primitive times, a person died, they try to weigh them to see if if there was a soul leave the body, right? That's right, yeah. But so in that sense, if we're going to um, observe these things, if we're, we're, then we actually have the right kind of tools to, to do this kind of, um, to put, if we're going to put this under a microscope, well, we got to have the right kind of microscope to, in order to do it. And there's different kinds of microscopes. You got to make sure that you got the right tool for the right job. So if we're going to talk about truth, truth isn't something that we create. Truth is just something that is. So that's right. Yes. I completely agree with that. Yes. That's there right. is an absolute external truth. Mm-hmm. Something happened. And I may have an opinion on it, how it happened, and somebody else may have a different opinion on how it happened, but that doesn't affect what actually happened. Something objectively actually happened. I think that's the bedrock of Western civilization. Indeed. So so when everybody says, well, that's your truth, it's like, Mm. well, (laughs) it might be my opinion, and it is. But there is something out there that can be, in fact, measured if we if we are willing to look at what it's telling us without our preconceptions getting in the way. Right. And if we if we are, if we do have this affection for truth that we claim to have, whether people say it's it's our own truth or whether people I'll be out there claiming that they're prophesying the truth. The thing is, none of this stuff should be a surprise to us. I mean, we're, we're, we're woke. We're in the woke generation. We're in the age of information and all that sort of stuff. How is this stuff a surprise? If we look at history and see how this stuff keeps playing out, it shouldn't be a surprise to it. But, but there's even a better, there's even a better model for it. You can turn into the word of God and see how this stuff plays out. Why wars happen? This is why, right? I mean, this, this book is, 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 takes you into these campaigns deeper than Sun Tzu will. You know, I hope I said his name right, but you know what I'm saying? That's it's right, like, yeah. these these are why these things come to pass. And unfortunately, you'll even have people that will, you know, they'll see, you know, well, God is just some tyrannical warmonger who gets off on war and stuff like that, while ignoring, they'll ignore why the Israelites were sent in to put these people to the sword. They don't care that these people were oppressive with their culture. I'm talking from, from child sacrifice to sexual entitlements to slavery to, to bad breeding practice, practices to bad uh, uh, agricultural practices, ranching practices that led to widespread disease and all that sort of stuff. Uh, it, it was the, the detestable things that they were doing that spread oppression and murder. And God's like, okay, Ride on them, put them to the sword, scorched earth. And God is the bad guy and Israel is the bad guys. So you can look at this truth. A person can look at this truth and be like, yeah, yeah. And they'll look at these people as they're the evil ones. And these are just the innocent bystanders. And, and it, uh, for one, one thing, it, man, it gets on my nerves when people treat war like it was just something that two factions didn't have anything better to do. You know, that drives me nuts, man. It's like, yeah, you know, war, war doesn't decide who's right, only who's left. And it's like, do you guys understand that wars happen because of covetousness, theft, right? Pride. Uh, pride. Fear. Yes. I, I, I see what you want. I have it. And man, I'm afraid that I just won't be seen as with all the prestige that I want to be seen as prestigious, uh, with all the prestige I want to be seen with in the rest of the world. I'm going to come take what you have. And I'm, mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm, I'm not looking to have, I don't negotiate for what I can take. Come on. You know? Yep. So this, these are why these things happen. It's not because, oh, I'm bored and hey, let's, let's have a war so we can make a whole bunch of money. Yeah. Man, we've been in a war for a long time. You would think our economy would be great. 
That's the broken windows fallacy, which I'm not going to get into here, except that I am. Uh, some some, uh, some uh, leftists think that that if if somebody throws a brick through a window, mm. then that actually creates wealth because the guy has to come and repair the window. Mm. He gets paid. He then pays somebody else. And then that person then pays the guy whose bakery or whatever the guy threw the rock through. Mm. And that assumes that the, uh, the the guy who's fixing the glass has nothing else to do. It's assuming that he's sitting there waiting. The fallacy of the broken windows is, yes, he is working now repairing this broken window, but he should be installing new windows and new buildings mm. and, and creating wealth rather than just simply trying to repair it. But I'm going to toss out a couple of little things that I've learned how to do, and I'd just like to get your, your uh, take on them because these are like little things. And what I find is when I'm looking to try and find the pathway to what is at least seems to be true or if you make an effort to find out what's really going on, I find it's not so much that you can see the path so much as you can see the landmines, right? And if you just avoid the landmines, you'll eventually get there. And some of these landmines are very obvious and other ones are not so obvious. And one of the first landmines I think is, is if the if something seems too good to be true, then it probably is. Be, be aware, this is a, it's very much like a selection, um, uh, what's the word? Um, where you essentially want to see the things you want to see. So, for example, in Ukraine, virtually everybody's on the side of the Ukrainians, and I don't think, I mean, it seems to me to be the case, certainly my feeling, but it, when you hear stories about the Ukrainian resistance, the Russians are stalling, the Russians are, are demoralized, the Russians are, uh, are surrendering, all of these things may be true, but the fact that you want to believe in them is something that you should be careful of. There is another side to that story. Uh, in this particular case, I think that, that those stories are, are fundamentally true. But when you see something that makes you go, yes, that's when, that's when you really should be like bringing out the, the bear traps, right? And just kind of saying, okay, yes, I definitely want to believe this. Does that mean I'm putting my critical guard down? And going along with something that I'm going along with may not be true. I just want to believe it. Um, before I get started with that Windows analogy that you give, does that have an exception when it comes to Bill Gates' windows? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Bill Gates. What a what a what a what a humanitarian. Indeed, right now. Okay, so um, I think I think a lot of people get caught up um, in sensationalism. You know, wanting to play these things up, I guess they, they need something. I don't know, like something uh, out of the ordinary, even if it's something uh, as as horrible as war. And I, I know nobody would like to think that they're that shallow. People can be that shallow, deeply shallow, if I could use that oxymoron. Uh, some people are, are just like that. You know, we talk about this great reset. There's there's people out there who think that we need some cataclysmic event to like reset the world, uh, mm -hmm. a, a blowing up of the buildings uh, uh, as for like Fight Club or something like that. You know, that we yeah, just, that, that attitude, by the way, belongs to people who have no idea how good life is compared to everything else that's ever happened. Thank you. Thank you. And, yeah. and you know, maybe they can't relate to this kind of maybe they don't think that something like this will come our way. Uh, and, and, and it's safe for them to have this kind of a sensationalist mindset said. Um, and, you know, it's or even when the sensationalism is caught up with them, um, 
boasting and how against war they are, their pacifist mindset is they're selective about these things too. Uh, all of a sudden, these same people who say these things, you know, with Ukraine, it's where, where, well, where's all that? Uh, I thought you guys were against guns. How come you guys are okay with them using guns now? And, and what happened to coexist? I mean, do, shouldn't you just tell them to just be quiet and just coexist with Russia and all that sort of stuff? What happened? Yeah, this to is, this yeah. is, I didn't mean, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. This is a fine case, though, of reality inserting itself into these luxury beliefs that we've had for the last five decades, mm. right? These luxury beliefs like, oh, you don't need guns. Well, it turns <laughs> out, actually, you probably do. Yeah. And and that's, yeah, I, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I just had to get that out just out of sheer frustration. Yes. So many leftists are like saying now, he's like, we should bomb them and we should put in like no-fly zones and stuff. And, and it's, okay, I understand you're, part of this is virtue signaling, which is another whole story, obviously. Mm. Um, but yeah, that's that's exactly right. Sometimes reality intrudes on this and and people will change will change the things that they're talking about without really changing the things that they believe. Mm. Yeah, consistently inconsistent. And you you find out, you know, how solid these people are. They're they're not solid at all. And uh, you know, or, or even, you know, we got Vladimir, it's like, how how can he talk about using nukes? I thought Obama, who was the one who was able to like stop the oceans from rising and, and when the earth began to heal, I thought he was the guy who got Putin to bring them nukes down. You know, mm -hmm. is it, you, you shouldn't, he shouldn't even have any nukes to play with, but evidently he does. So it's, it's these things get put on the table and you see, I, I, well, we see, it's just hoping that these people can see the, the, the fallacy of of their, their, their narrative. It's, it's, uh, it's pseudo intellectual. It's a bunch of sanctimonious, self-righteous, you know, platitudes that they stand on. And it's like, okay, can we get down the real veal here? Like one of those things being real is, uh, uh, Hey, can, can we get, can we start being, can we get back to being energy dependent? That way, at least we can afford your lunacy. Cause right now yeah, we really right. can't afford your lunacy that's, right now. That's right. That's right. And, and you were mentioning about, about, uh, something really close to this just a minute ago. There's also like a, a when you were talking about sensationalism, there's kind of like a gossip element in this too. Mm -hmm. Some people really like the idea that they're the one that's going to tell everybody this shocking piece of news, you know? Mm -hmm. it, it really is, did you hear what what, what Madge is doing with with, uh, with the plumber? Uh, <laughs> it, so, so sometimes people are attracted to a particularly uh, sensational uh, piece of news because they're looking forward to being the person who's going to present this shocking thing to uh, all of their friends or, or through the world through their Facebook page, whatever the case may be. And so there's kind of a self-serving sort of, um, you know, uh, you, you tend to lower your, your, your skeptical guard because you want to be the person, you want to be the first person to tell everybody that, you know, that, uh, that Putin is breeding Bigfoots on the moon, you know, in order to <laughs> launch uh, highly radioactive, uh, resistant uh, super soldiers, you know, that, that kind of thing. There, the, the desire to be seen as the guy with, not only with the new information, but also it's very closely related to this, the desire to be the guy whose position is, well, all of you sheep will believe all that stuff, but mm. the very few of us who are in the know, uh, you know, we're we're so advanced uh, that we that we we don't buy all of that stuff that you all believe just because it happened. Indeed, man, and, and you know, the, and and or things like um, the posturing of Biden is going to boycott 
you know, rushing up. But Putin's not even worried about that. It's, it's, I mean, it's unfortunate that people would there are some people who would think that Biden's taking a strong stance and stronger sanctions and whatnot. Putin's not worried about that. It's just not, no. something, you know, he's not worried about it. He's you know not- what he was worried about? Mm. When Donald Trump was president, he said yeah. to him early, he said, uh, Vladimir, if you go into the Ukraine, I'm going to hit Moscow. Mm. And so for four years, he didn't go into the Ukraine because he didn't know whether Trump was serious or not, but he didn't want to take the risk. That's exactly how deterrence works. That's right. That's right. But people fall for these kinds of, of things. And, and and just the word on the street is, you know, and then from there, they take the word on the street and they, they make and make it whatever they want. And if it's one thing that the Lord hates, it's gossip. He cannot stand gossip. He can't stand a divisive tongue. He can't stand a bad report. It's interesting that in this age of fake news, these th- these things they come back they come back and they reflect and that's one thing about the cannon bill it's always it's the history the historicity of it the cultural aspect of it and the generational aspect of it it all has to fit and there's nothing in the word that doesn't apply to what's going on today and so the one thing that God can't stand is an evil report you know in Hebrew it's going to be debat and uh, for example uh, the scouts that were told to go scope out. Canaan, you know, they came back and they're, and they're saying, Hey man, we don't want to go down there. Uh, there's giants down there. Well, Russia's like the giant now that we're being made to be afraid of. And, you know, they even come back and say, no, nah, man, uh, uh, the, Nep- the Nephilim are about around are, are there, they're giants. And the Bible doesn't really say that the Nephilim were giants, but that's what they tried to play up. And the word says that they came back and gave an evil report, meaning that they lied about what that's they saw. Because they were afraid. And they, they were wanted afraid. To, and they yeah. wanted the rest of them to be afraid. And this made God like smoke, snort, and angry. angry because the Israelites were ready to stone these people. They were, so, yeah. they were so afraid of taking on the enemy that God says, yeah, go ahead, man, roll on them. I got you. They were more afraid. They were so afraid of them that they were getting ready to start stoning each other. <laughs> and God's yeah, there's like, a lot of that going around. Yes, and and that's what's happening right now. It's like we're turning against each other. And even Moses had to stand before God, and say, "Hey, God, don't kill him, man. <laughs> don't kill him." God's like, "I got to move, Moses. Just move." And Moses is like, "Come on, man. Don't don't I don't think, kill him." <laughs> I, I think one more little um, little you know tool. It's just another tool you can apply in this search if you're, if you're one of those people that cares about whether something's real or not. Mm. Um, is to look at the tags that are associated with the story. Mm. Uh, of the, and I, I I haven't been bit with this very much, but the one mis, the one landmine I most often almost step on mm. is that I'll see a story on the internet and I won't check the date, mm. and I'll find out that this happened four years ago or eight years ago or or whatever, and and that that's like the kind of thing I'm talking about where the tag comes along with it. But an even better example is 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 to look at the source. If something comes from um, an official Ukrainian site, that doesn't mean it's true, but it does mean it's probably more carefully reviewed than somebody who just basically threw something up there to to get the hits. Carl Sagan talked about this in a way that I thought was really enlightening, and and it's got to do with the idea of it is useful and valuable to have an expert opine on something. But one of the things you have to do when you see that is you've got to make sure that the expert is talking about something that he is an expert in. Mm. And this is the thing where we get into a lot of trouble. I've mentioned this a hundred thousand times. People, a lot of people on the left would say they've got a picture of Albert Einstein and and Albert Einstein says you cannot simultaneously uh, prepare for and prevent war, something like that. 
And I remember thinking, what the hell does Albert Einstein know about war? He knows nothing about war. He knows less about war than, than, than the guy who's delivering his milk, mm. right? He's off in the middle of the universe trying to figure what happens when you turn on your headlights in a car that's doing the speed of light. He's got no opinion on what <laughs> war is. What is he an expert in? Mm. Sagan said that there was... Uh, Back in the 70s, there was this whole ancient astronauts kind of thing. Did aliens come to Earth and, and kind of seed, you know, humanity? And, and he said, I heard the linguistic argument that a lot of words are in common between like America before it was discovered and, you know, and, and that kind of thing. And I, he said, I thought the linguistic stuff was very good. And then he talked to a linguist who said he thought the astronomical stuff was pretty good. The linguistics was hogwash. Sagan so said, well, the astronomy is hogwash too. So, so... Even an expert in astronomy like Carl Sagan is suckered into an argument about linguistics because he's not an expert in linguistics. Likewise, or conversely, the guy who does know that the whole linguistics argument is hogwash doesn't know about enough about astronomy to say the astronomical case is hogwash. And so what you end up with is two highly renowned experts. And if you don't go to the trouble of making sure that what they're talking about has to do with their field, then you get into this whole, uh, well, the science is settled kind of thing, right? Mm -hmm. The science is settled. Well, anybody who says that doesn't know what science is. Science is never settled, ever. It's never, ever settled. Uh, you, can, you can reach a higher level of confidence in something, but somebody can do an experiment tomorrow and, and, and then everything changes. So looking at the source of the information and then asking yourself, does the source have an agenda? Clearly, they in the cases of something from the official Ukrainian government or the official Russian government, clearly there's an agenda there. When the Russians say that they've lost 500 people killed and the Ukrainians say it's 5,000 or approaching 10,000, it's in both of their interests. It's in the Russian interest to say it's low. It's in the Ukrainian interest to say it's high. And just an awareness of this dynamic will get you through most of this minefield, I think. Yeah, it's uh, it's a lot of deduction, man. Like a consensus, you 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 read this, you read that, and see how these things square up to 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 get a, you know, a more plausible testimony, you know. And and right, even right now, trying to get to the truth, that's that's a that's a you know treasure hunt in itself because you gotta mm. you, right now the search engines themselves are, are skewed. You know, you go to and and, and a lot yeah. of people they're they're giving over to it, man, because they they go ahead and whatever they where even if they pull up Duck Duck Go, Duck Duck Go is left leaning too. I guess their their claim to fame is that they don't monitor your your your, your searches or their their you know they they respect your privacy. They're still left leaning, you know. And when you pull that stuff up, that's what you're gonna see first. You're gonna see the left wing narrative on all this stuff first, and you gotta dig. And and those who don't want it, who don't understand that, and just think that the news is the news. That's what they're going to see. And that's what they're going to base their opinions on. And they might not do a three deep search to see if these things square up, you know, with themselves or or do a cross check to see, OK, well, this is what this uh, spectrum is saying as opposed to what this spectrum is saying. So, you know, once again, where do you actually go for the truth? The truth, as we said, we don't create the truth. The truth just is. So when people will, you know, it's like, is it one of those things to hold? Do we look inside of ourselves for the truth? No, not exactly. Because it doesn't begin with you. Uh, if you want a truth, as, 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 as uh, I guess we say in the Christianese, man, you got to do some knee mail, right? You got to do some knee mail. You got you to pray for the truth. Have, have the discernment. Are we going to get it right? Probably not, because this is earth. 
You know, we just going to screw things up, but we have a better chance. That's what we're talking about. We have a better chance of trying to have some discernment, not leaning on our own understanding, have that filter to be able to say, okay, let me have the discipline, the discernment to examine these things, narrow it down, see what, Mm -hmm. you know, the things are squaring up with until we funnel this stuff, until we have this distillation of, of what is most likely the truth. So to close this, uh, I'll just get your take on, I think, the most important dynamic here. Uh, the country is so divided, and and we really are looking at each other that, like we're from other planets, and we are. It's, <laughs> it's because of heuristics. You learn a lesson, and then you build on top of that. And as these things begin to diverge, the term I was looking for earlier is selection bias. You find things that you want to be true, and you put those, and you stack them up, and that gets you more and more convinced that this opinion is right. Somebody else is doing the exact opposite thing over here. And these two look at each other, and they can't possibly – believe that the other one is saying what the other one's saying. And so, you know, there's the, 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 the classic expression, come let, it, come, let us reason together. The idea of reason is, is that so much of what we believe is stuff that we emotionally want to believe. And the, the idea of reasoning something out is the idea of taking your emotions out of the picture. And that's becoming rarer and rarer. And of all the things that worry me in this society, it's that loss of reason, that loss of of rationality, not just a loss of it being employed, but, but an attack on it. Like it's like, it's, you know, it's just a, it's a, it's a, it's a, a white supremacy construct or something like that. The, the ability to dis- disconnect your emotions and look at what's there is the essence of all of this stuff. All jet, jet travel, antibiotics, all of it. Every, everything that makes the West wonderful is predicated on reason. The United States was founded in the age of reason. So we're losing the ability to reason and we are becoming more and more emotional. And I find that the things that I believe, I've often just constantly thought, I wish there was in fact you know, a tribunal of angels that could simply come out and say, this is what actually happened. I would love that because I think most of my, in fact, I try to make all of my opinions based on what appears to be true based on whether I like it or not. One of the things you see, especially here in California, one of the reasons you're going to see people wearing masks here for a long, long, long time in all of these liberal bastions is because the Trump people have been saying we don't need masks and don't want masks for two years now. And even if they were right, to even if they were right that they should have been wearing them the whole two years, if the thing is, is subsiding now and they take their masks off, then they feel like that means, oh, now, now, I'm, now people are going to think I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a Trump, I'm a Trump supporter, <laughs> right? And so, and so this is how the emotions constrict you. Uh, it took an awful lot of evidence to to basically blow open my pre-existing disbelief that the corporations could be as as soulless and as and as greedy as the left has made them out to be. But I'm seeing evidence now that this is in fact exactly the case. So rather than just me getting in my train, ah, I don't want to hear that. It's like no. Here's some evidence that you didn't have before, and you don't like it, but that doesn't mean it's not good evidence. And so I changed my mind. Sure, man. And, and and when we say, you know, taking our feelings out of it, it doesn't mean 
you know, I, cause I guess you have some people who think that we have to be emotional about it. So we maintain our compassion and, and have, you know, these feelings. Well, feelings can also be, we're, we're not saying to be callous, but feelings can also cause you to be angry and react out of fear and cause you to want to hurt people and all that sort of stuff. That's right. So and we're not suggesting that we need to be Vulcans and, and, and just be emotionless as far as it goes, but you don't want to be ruled by your emotions. We want to maintain compassion and concern and things like that, but be practical. You know, make sure you, that your common sense don't isn't sacrificed for your, your for your feelings. And, um, you know, and the thing is, we've it's been demonstrated. You know, the, the, the word of God is, is called the testament for a reason. It's a record. Right. It's it's an account. You know, the Old and New Testament. These are the things. It's not a book that's written by man. It's a book recorded by witnesses. So in this in this witness, the word even says that the angels were there while the law was being given. So even with the with the council of angels, while the law is being given, people still rebelled. Even Zechariah, you know, the father of John the Baptist, you know, who's in the order, who's in the priestly order of Abijah. It's his, it's, it's his ship. I'm on duty right now. He goes to do his work. Gabriel shows up and even Zechariah says, hey, how do I know you telling me the truth, man? <laughs> and Gabriel is like, dude, I'm Gabriel, man. I stand in the presence of God. Now shut up. You ain't going to speak for months. You know? So it's, you know, the evidence that we may think that we need, just like I said earlier, even the edit evidence ain't going to slide without faith. You either going to decide that you're going to believe it, the truth or not. Well, that's, that's pretty much it. So, um, in conclusion, uh, the reason I think that trying to figure out what's true is important is because if we give up the idea of an objective external reality, then we've entered the world of not only of, of uh, situational ethics and so on, but we've entered, we've entered the world of transgendered athletes. We've oh. entered a world where external realities don't matter. This is what I want to believe, so therefore it's true. And, and since I want it, if I don't get it, it hurts my feelings and nobody's feelings can be hurt. So all of this stuff is predicated on understanding whether something is true or not and having some respect for the fact that it is. I'd love to say that all of the examples that I've seen in the last couple of years of people denying what was obvious or getting very angry about about things because it's challenging their worldview. I'd say 95% of it that I've seen is coming from the left, but a solid 5% is coming from conservatives. There's, there, And this is the danger, and this is what I'm trying to, to avoid, right? I don't want to go down that road. Of all the terms throughout history that have, that have, that have been consistent in terms of describing people, Republicans, Democrats, conservatives, all that stuff changes. But individualists and collectivists really does seem to be how we're wired biologically. And for an individualist, there's nothing that should bother you about changing your opinion if it moves you closer to the truth. Collectivists have a much harder time because as a collective, there are collective belief systems and there are things that the collective believes in, the narrative, the story, all of this stuff. For somebody on who's a collectivist to try to change their mind. It's not just a question of getting past their own psychological barriers. Then they have to deal with the emotional consequences of losing all of their friends and their family, right? And we've seen this again and again and again with black conservatives, gay conservatives, women conservatives, whatever, where, where people say, hey, you know, I saw something and it, and it really seemed true to me. And maybe, you know, maybe there's some truth to this. You're dead to me. 
generally speaking, that is a collectivist response. And I hate to see that kind of thing happen among uh, uh, the upstanding and sterling conservatives uh, who, who are the last best hope of the world. So uh, that's, that's pretty much why we talked about telling the truth on this one. See what I did there? Uh, for Alfonso, Rachel, I'm Bill Whittle. The show's made possible by, uh, by the members of BillWhittle.com who um, pony up a monthly $9.99 uh, and uh, end up getting, I don't know, seven, eight, eight or nine shows a week. So it comes out to about, I think, four or five cents a show. I hope you got your four or five cents of value out of this one. And if you did and 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 you didn't put your five cents in, you can always go over to BillWhittle.com and either click on the Become a Member link or you can make a one-time donation. That helps us out a lot too. For Alfonso Rachel, I'm Bill Whittle. We'll see you next time here on The Virtue Signal. 